Hey, welcome to the Transforming Life Church podcast. We hope this encourages you and inspires you in your journey with Christ. So sit back, relax, and check out this week's message. Soccer gear, but we didn't have any football gear. 
And it's expensive. There's all kinds of stuff you gotta get from football. And it's like, man, I got all this stuff. He's gotta be ready. Most of us to protect him, which we're okay with that. We're willing to pay money uh, for that. But athletes are going to show it. And I know we've been talking about the Olympics the past couple of weeks. I believe it's wrapping up um, today, if I'm not mistaken. And, and, and these athletes, they've got to show up and, and compete. They've got to be ready, not just with whatever gear they might have. You know, a runner, they're not going to show up with the wrong type of shoes, right, Haley? I know you like to run, and, and you got to have the right kind of shoes to run, especially these track stars, right? Uh, the swimmers, they're going to have their little goggles, Ted, and a little swim cap and speedos and everything, right? And I'm trying to put an image in your head, but that's what it is. And they're going to show up, right? Because that's the expectation. But they're not just going to show up with the right gear. They're going to show up with the right mindset. They're going to show up to compete, to win. They're going to, they're going to be on their A game. They're going to be pumped, right? Uh, uh, Erica, she, she coaches um, softball and stuff like that. And a little Angie got to play her first year under her. And she had them girls pumped up. She had, like, at-bat songs in Little League. Like, it was awesome. And the kids come up, they're ready to play. These athletes are going to show ready, focused, ready to play. Because otherwise, it's embarrassing. They show up to win. They show up to compete, right? And where am I going with this? I'm glad you asked. Right? Here's the deal. We cannot, hear me out, right? Look me right here in the eye. We cannot, as a church, show up each and every day, wherever that we go. We cannot show up as Christians, as children of God. We cannot show up not ready to face the day, not ready to face this world that God has called us to go into. We cannot show up as a church and not be ready. Well, what am I talking about this morning, church? I'm, I'm talking about we cannot show up uh, in our workplaces, in our schools, even here in our church on Sunday or on Wednesday nights. We can't show up in our neighborhoods and our homes and not be prepared. We can't show up and we're not prayed up. We can't show up and we're not really expecting God to do anything. Like, why would we come into church on Sunday and not expect God to show up and move and do anything, right? But it's not just about Him showing up on a Sunday or in a service. It's about expecting Him to show up, like, in a situation that you're in or even going into your job and you're praying, God, this could be a stressful day, but Lord, I need you to show up. Like maybe some of you right now, you, you need a miracle in your life or, or you need an answer to something and, and you can have great faith, that authority that Pastor Handy was talking about. You can expect God to show up in your life and in your situations. But how can we as a church not be prepared for that and not expect God to move? And we can't show up not full of faith, right? Not knowing and believing that my God is able. Come on, somebody. We can't show up and not, not be ready to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And I'm afraid, not fearful, but I'm afraid that the church has gotten comfortable and passive. Here's the deal. A passive church is a dead church. And this world desperately needs a church that is all in. All in. Not playing games, not going through the motions. Not like a little dabble, do you? Know, just need to dip my toes in. I'm talking about going all in. Like, you know, sometimes you go to go swimming and the pool's really cold, and it's like, I just want to ease my way in the season. I'm just going to get right here on the steps, right? It's cold. I don't want to get anything deeper. Some of us in the church sometimes. All oh, the world, oh, I don't want to get in. Oh, no, it's, it's crazy. The world's crazy. 
Jesus, just come back right now. No, no, we, we, there's people that would die and go to hell right now if Jesus came back right now. And here we are in the church sitting at the steps. I'm just getting my toes in. Oh, sometimes you just got to do it. You just got to can them all in, right? It's time, church, that we jump in this thing and we go all in. Anybody with me this morning? It's time for us to go all in. As we continue this game series, next week we'll wrap it up. I want to charge you, church. To be all in. Be all in with your faith. Be all in with your prayers. Be all in with your expectation of what God wants to do. Be all in with your relationship with Jesus. Come on, turn in your Bible if you have them with, uh, with you today, whether it's in an app form or, or, or paper copy. We've got some available in front of you uh, in Spanish and English. Boom. We are ready. We are prepared. But turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Let's look at one verse today. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. Familiar text for many. And I shouldn't jump on that stage. I'm already out of breath. <laughs> I'm just starting this message. But first and second Timothy, as well as Titus, are known as the pastoral letters. These are, are letters that Paul uh, writes to Timothy, and he also writes to Titus, Timothy uh, being in Ephesus and Titus being in Crete. And, and it's concerning pastoral care and leadership of the churches there in those areas. Timothy uh, had been traveling with Paul a lot. He assisted him in ministry. In fact, he was Paul's apprentice. And, and Paul takes some time in 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy to pour into his life, to encourage him, to instruct him as a young leader uh, on what to expect and, and then also how to, how to push through some of the, the stuff that he might face. Just to build him up and encourage him in his faith to effectively minister in those churches. So turn if you've got First Timothy chapter 6, let's read in verse 12 together this morning. Fight! Someone said fight! Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life in which we were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Father, we love you. God, we are absolutely in a fight. In this world, for our lives, for our families, for our communities, our schools, our friends. We're in a fight, God. For far too long, the church has just been in the stands watching We've been standing by, not sure what to do. We've been instructed what to do in your word. And this is not to beat up anybody or the church, God, but this is so that we can get a hold of this, God, so that we can go all in, God, so that we can, just as Paul instructed Timothy, fight a good fight of the faith, God. You have given us everything that we need to be able to do that. Help us to see that today. Help us to experience it. God, help us to go all in. In Jesus' name, amen. Fight a good fight. I believe this text is going to help us understand how we need to go all in. And, and the first point I want to make to you today is this. To be all in, we cannot passively pursue Jesus. We can't, because a passive church is a dead church, right? It's not going to do anything. We're not going to uh, uh, do anything in the kingdom. We're not going to push any, anything. We're not going to push any boundaries. We're not going to come against wickedness. We're not going to have that authority at all, right? It's just passive. 
should be doing with each other. That's why, why coming together and having church together is so important for us because we're able to pour into and bless each other. And so I would charge you just like Paul charged us, you men and women of God. You men and women of God. And he says this, man of God, in other words, he's, he's calling out, this is what I see in you. This is, this is the decision that you have made to follow Christ. And, and I'm calling out, out of you, you men of God, flee all of this. All of what? What is he talking about? If you read uh, the previous text, he's warning Timothy about those that are false teachers. He's warning Timothy about false doctrine. He's warning Timothy about the temptation to abuse God's calling for his own personal gain. And he says, you, man of God, Timothy, and, and you can read it. Read the previous verses. You, man of God, Timothy, flee all that. Flee it. Turn away from it. Get away from it. Don't even look that way. And he says what? He says, and pursue righteousness. So in other words, flee this ungodly mess. Flee all this garbage. Flee all this stuff because that's the wrong way. And pursue God. Pursue God. Pursue this calling that he has on your life. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Why? Because it's these things that are going to keep you in the will of God. It's these things that are going to keep you in the calling that he has over your life. It's these things. This stuff is going to disqualify you. This stuff is going to get you out of the race. This stuff, you're not going to win. This is not God's way. This is not what God's want. It's not His will. So put it behind you and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. And this isn't just for a, a leader. This is for all of us to pursue these things, to pursue God, to go all in, to forget what's behind us, to forget uh, you know, all these things that are not of God, and, and just simply pursue him and keep away from what's going to keep us out of the race. We've been looking at Paul and some of the metaphors he uses about, about a race and, 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 and running our race and, and all these things. And, 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 and we need to put away, keep away, get things out of our way that's going to keep us from not only running our race, but finishing the race. Let's get it out of the way. I don't care if that's sin, I don't care if it's like issues, I don't care if it's temptation, I don't care if it's a person or a thing, what it is, we, we need to get it out of our way so that we can keep running the race and finish well. And this all sets up the key verse that I read to you today, fight the good fight for the faith. The word fight in the Greek means to compete, to struggle, to strive to do with intensity and effort. It's all in it's not lukewarm. It's not some halfway. I can think of another terminology to use there, but it's not appropriate for church, so I'm just going to leave it to your imagination. But just halfway, just kind of moseying through, going through the motions, haphazardly, casually going through Christianity, comfortable Christianity, lukewarm Christianity. Fight, compete, struggle, strive to. Not just when you can, right? Not when you feel like it, not when you're ready to, not when it fits your schedule. Intensity and effort. We struggle for this thing, we compete for it, we strive for it. And it's an everyday fight. It's an everyday fight. Not just when we struggle with something, it's an everyday 
fight. We have to fight and compete with effort. Why? Because temptation is around every corner. And it's not only the temptations that we normally think of, the temptation to, to, to do certain things. Sometimes it's like the temptation to give in to that thought. Sometimes it's the temptation to, to doubt. Sometimes it's the temptation to say, you know what, I quit. Right? There's all kinds of temptation around every corner. So we got to fight. we got to compete every day. We can't let down our guard. Why? Why do we fight? Because you have a very real opponent, the devil, who wants to take you out. We have to compete and fight every day. Why? Because sin still separates us from God. And guess what? Hell is still very hot. Got to fight and compete every day. It requires effort. It requires intensity. It requires us to be all in. The world needs a church that's fully engaged in God's mission. Fully engaged. Not when it fits our schedule. Not when it fits our lifestyle. Fully engaged. According to his word, according to his spirit, the word needs us, a church, to be passionate about its mission and not passive. Come on. Your family needs you to be fully engaged in God's mission. Your neighborhood, your friends. Guess what? The church will thrive and we'll see revival. I know there's a lot of people that are looking for revival and want revival. And we will see it when we're fully engaged in God's mission, when we're all in. Come on, the world needs us full of the Holy Spirit, not full of ourselves. And notice, notice that, that, that Paul's encouragement to Timothy is not to fight the good fight of faith. That's not what he says. He says, fight the good fight of the faith. Paul's not merely encouraging Timothy to live by faith. Even though that's important, we need to do that as well. Paul's encouraged Timothy to struggle for the faith. What is that? The truth of God in the way of Jesus. To struggle for that. I don't mean struggle in, in, in what we might think of struggle. I mean like fight, compete, contend for it. Protect. The first part of the verse we read in, in 1 Timothy 6.12, this phrase, it literally means compete in the good competition of the faith. Compete well for the faith. And to do that, our faith must be active and not passive. Man, I didn't really tell Ryan and the team why, you know, they knew the series and what we were doing, but, but just some of the things they were saying this morning as God was leading them when it was all this, we, we got to participate, this is a participation thing, not meant for fans. Sitting at home watching it on the TV, sitting in the stands watching, no, no, this is meant for us to, to be in the race and to run it, to run it well and to finish. So if we're competing in this faith, what, what are we competing against? What are we competing against? Let me tell you that we aren't competing with people. We aren't competing with each other, but oftentimes, many times we do. Far too often we compete with each other about things that aren't heaven and hell issues. But they're just really our own personal preferences. And we forget that none of this is really about us at all. I know that's probably not something you want to hear. You came in, maybe you want to be encouraged and built up. But this is not about you. Look at your neighbor say, it ain't about you. This is not about us. Psalm 115.1 says, not to us, Lord. Not to us, but to your name be the glory. Because of your love and faithfulness. It's not about us. It's all about God, his will, his way, the way he wants us to live this life. 
We're not competing with each other. Let's stop doing that, right? There's enough division in the world. Let's stop. It doesn't need to be in the church. But Ephesians 6.12 says this. This is our opponent. We, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. This, this, is not, this is what we're competing about. It's a spiritual fight. It's a spiritual battle. So if it's spiritual, the fight is spiritual, guess what? We must fight by spiritual means. This is not something we can punch our way through. But it's something that we absolutely should pray through. It's something that we fight by spiritual means. Listen, a runner is going to train differently. They're going to go through a different routine than a swimmer would. Right? It's different muscles being used. It's different form and all, all these things. So they're going, to, they're going to train different. We're not going to be able to come in here and, and, and train by physical means or train by, by worldly means even. Because right? this is a spiritual fight. So how do we do that? How do we compete? We compete by making the kingdom of God and righteousness our main focus. Matthew 6, 33. Seek first his kingdom and all of his righteousness, right? That, that, that needs to be at the forefront of our minds, of our hearts, of our lives, every single day. Seeking first the kingdom of God. When we wake up in the morning, when we come throughout our day, when we end the day, when we lay down our head, it should be the kingdom of God. If we're going to be all in. All in. Prayer must be a priority. Not just when we can fit it in. Hey, hey, how selfish that, that God has done everything for us, yet he oftentimes gets the leftovers. Come on. Prayer must be a priority. We must have a lifestyle of worship. And I'm not talking about whatever your favorite song is. I'm talking about a lifestyle of devotion to God. And giving your life to him. Surrendering to him. We, we are called to seek God, serve God, and surrender to him every day. It's all in. So we compete by making the kingdom of God and righteousness our main focus. We compete by being obedient to God's written and audible word. We're, we're given instructions in, in God's word that, that we're meant to read and, and, and know, but not just know, but like obey and live out. And then there's times when God's going to speak to us. And, and, and it's not just to make us feel good. It's because, hey, I've got something for you to do. Sometimes it's to correct us. We've got to be able to hear his voice. And also obey it. Deuteronomy 8, 3, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Whether that's in the written, the audible. Are you listening today? Are you listening for his voice? When you hear it or you read it, do you obey it? We compete also by loving and serving others. That was Jesus. Jesus had compassion on people. Even the most unlikely people, even those that the, the religious leaders turned away from and turned their nose up at, Jesus went to. Jesus went to them. Jesus went to those that were considered unclean, not worthy, those that were marginalized. Jesus went to them. He didn't say, hey, once you come to church, let me, let me tell you all about it there at that time. No, he went to them. In their time of need. So we compete by loving and serving others. We compete by living uncompromised lives to the truth of God. So first Paul tells him, fight the good fight for the faith. And then there's a second part of this verse. There's a second encouragement that he does. He, he says this. He says, take hold of eternal life. Fight the good fight for the faith. Take hold 
Eternal Life worship team, you guys can come up. I'm not closing up just yet. I'm just getting them ready, okay? I'll freak out. Back to the Friday they take hold of eternal life. And you, you ever see these runners, and the, uh, these track runners, and they're running, and it gets like neck and neck, right? And they're right there in the finish line, and sometimes they'll reach their, so they can win by nose, right? Or sometimes they may, they may reach out with their hand. I saw a guy the other day, and he literally dove. Like, that's clay. That track is hard. You know he messed himself up. But he did it because it was worth, worth it to win. Thanks for that win. I feel like we're not reaching church. We gotta fight, we gotta take hold. These are active things, not passive. I had a pastor church is a what? It's a dead church. We're not taking hold of that which God has given us already. Last time I checked, Jesus is alive. I don't want a dead church. You look for a dead church, go somewhere else. This ain't it. Right? And last time I checked, Jesus was alive. Hebrews 4 12 says that God's word is what? Alive and active. If I remember right, faith without words is what? It's dead. So why do we live like a dead church? And I'm not just talking about us, I'm not trying to like beat you guys, I'm trying to the church, like a big C church, like in general. We've been standing by for far too long, man. Far too long. Pastor church is a dead church. We will not. We're not run our race. We won't endure the things of this life. We won't finish if we passively pursue Jesus. Paul tells Timothy this, take hold of eternal life. What does that mean? Because Timothy was saved. Timothy had accepted Christ. It's clear in this text that, that because of his confession, he had been made in front of others. It, it, it's clear that Timothy was saved. He had already received this eternal life. But, but, but it, this is what it means. This is what I believe Paul is saying. Experience more of what is eternal life in this life. Because eternity starts now. It's just not something when we get off in the heaven on the glorious day that will be. And it will be. But eternity starts now. Experience more of what is eternal in this life. It's not a future life. It's not just a future life. But it's a present reality. It's living relationally with God. Living relationship. Check out John 17, 3. Now, this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. See, there's a difference in knowing about God and actually knowing God. I've known a lot of people that have a lot of, a lot of knowledge about God. They know a lot of scripture. They can quote it back to you, but they don't really know God. The, the Pharisees, they, they knew all of this. They had memorized it. They had devoted their life to memorizing it, but they didn't really know God. How do I know that? They didn't recognize who the Messiah was. They had a, a knowledge about God, but they didn't know God. Right? And yes, it's important that we know about God. Yes, it's important we know why we believe what we believe. But that should lead us to knowing personally God and having a relationship with him. Knowing God is being in an interactive relationship with him. Where we spend time with him, where we're having conversations with him, where we're praying, where we're seeking after him, where we're inviting his presence into our life and into our situations, into our homes, and into our schools, and into our workplace, at your desk, in your cubicle, when you're underneath the car working uh, those, those screws out, like when you're laying carpet, right, Tim? Tim's been putting carpet in the youth. 
sanctuary over there is looking good. But we can have an interactive relationship with him all day, every day. We can spend time with him. We can talk to him. We can experience his power and his presence. We can have a relationship with him all because of Jesus. Because he died and he rose again. In fact, this eternal life we're talking about, it's the life of Jesus in us. It's the word in us. It's the spirit in us. And it's something that Paul encourages Timothy to take hold of. Not that he has to earn it. Because it's already been given to him. It's already been a promise given to him. But, but, but this is not something we just repeat a prayer and say, Hey, Jesus, come into my life. And then we just sit back and, All right, God, give me blessings now. That would be awesome. But then we would never trust him, rely on him for anything. It would just, it would be spoiled. Church would be spoiled.
basketball team, and I could barely get through some of the, the drills and things. My knee, both knees were just killing me. Tendonitis, fluid was building up. I remember going home and icing my knees and, and thinking, man, I don't want to quit. I want to I see this thing through. But I just couldn't keep up. Back when tendonitis for weeks, so and it affected his ability to train, leading right up to this race. But he shows up anyway. He shows up to this race, and, and the race begins. And quickly he falls behind. Like if you watch in the in the the, the the TV picture frame, there's the pack, and then he's like way behind. So right off the bat, like he's way behind, and the announcers are like, "Oh my gosh, if he doesn't do anything soon, like there's just gonna be no hope." So he gets through kind of the first leg of the race. He's still way behind, but he's still trudging along. He's still running. And it's like something just kind of clicks. I don't know if it was adrenaline. I don't know if it was just him and his determination. But all of a sudden, he begins to close in, and the gap closes in. And, and here he is. He's caught up with the pack. He's about halfway through the race. He's caught up with the pack. And then he starts making his move to the outside of the runners. And one by one by one, he starts passing people up. It's like just this other level kicks in. And before you know it, he's up to the top three now. And, and they're pressing in. They're in the last leg of the race. And they get to the finish line. And he leans forward. He wins the race in epic fashion. Why? Because he pressed through. It would have been easy for him to look and say, wow, I'm so far behind. Like, what's the point? I'll just, I'll finish, but I'm, you know, I'm not going to try to. I'm not going to try to rent me, I don't want to try to push myself, but there was, there was none of that. He pushed his way through, he pressed through, even through pain, all so that he could win. Would have been easy to quit, but he did. Our relationship with Jesus, check this out, it's not a sprint, it's not a dash, it's a marathon. And it's filled with twists and turns, and it's not about speed, but it's about endurance. And Jesus has given us grace that empowers us to to endure whatever you may face in this life. To endure, why? So that you can press on to win the prize. So that you can press on to experience this eternal life here, now, for eternity. But it requires me to fight, to compete, to not quit, to take hold of what has already been given to me. So let's press on, church. Let's go all in. Let's jump in today. Like these are aggressive, active terms to fight and to take hold of. It's not for fans. It's for someone in the race. It's for someone that's all in. Come on, we can let the enemy get in our head. We can let sin in our hearts. We can let the world tell us who we are. We can allow comparison to fuel our decisions. Or we can press on and we can press through in the truth of God's word. We, we can press on and, and press through in who God says that we are and the purposes that he has for us. But it is anything but passive. It is not boring. It is not something to do casually. It's a fight worth fighting. It's a race worth running. Come on, church, are you all in today? Is there anybody here who would answer that call? 
confess Jesus as Lord, right? So maybe you're here today, you haven't answered that call yet. You have not said yes to Jesus. Maybe you're fighting the fight for your life, but you're fighting it the wrong way. And you're getting worn out, and you get tired, and maybe you're starting to take on more punches, right? Maybe you keep trying to press on, but you're only falling further behind. Come on, when you say yes to Jesus today, come on, but with every head bowed, every eye closed before we take a step further. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus and you would say yes to him, can you just slip your hand up because I want to pray with you, I want to pray for you. Anybody? Yeah, I see, I see. Anybody else? I see that hand. Yeah. Anybody else? You would say yes to Jesus. You would fight it, you would fight it, you would fight it. You're fighting the wrong fight. You're fighting the wrong way. You're pressing on and pressing through and you're falling further behind anybody else. Come on, right now, if you would, if you would repeat this prayer after me, say, Dear Jesus, would you come into my heart today so that I can have a relationship with you? I believe that you are the Son of God, that you died for my sin so that I can have a relationship with you. Would you forgive me of my sin? Come into my life today and help me to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, can we give it up for those people that made that decision today? And here's the deal it doesn't stop there. Would that be great? Yes, Jesus is coming to my life. It feels good. Now you gotta press on. Now you gotta take hold of that which has come into your life today. And begin to live for him. Not just say it, not just confess it, but now live it. There's a difference between becoming a Christian and being a Christian. And that's what we're talking about today is going all in. Living this life for God the way it's caused. And if you're here today, and, and, and maybe maybe you feel pumped up, you're like, yeah, let's go all in. Woo! Like, if that's you, like, let me ask this question. Is there anything in your life that has been keeping you from making that step? Has there been any hindrance? Has there been any, whether it's sin, whether it's a struggle, whether it's a person, I don't know what it might be for you today. And it's been keeping you from taking that next step. It's been keeping you from jumping in the deep end. It's been keeping you from going all in for God. Is there anything here today? Because if there is, let's deal with it right here, right now. Let's get it under the blood of Jesus. Let's lay it down here at this altar today and go all in. Hey, thanks for tuning in this week. If you'd like more info about our church, if you'd like to make a donation to our ministry here at Transforming Life, go to www.tlchurchpc.com. If you haven't been to our church yet, we would love to meet you. Come by for a life-changing experience. God bless.